before gas-powered automobiles traveled our roads, before airplanes flew overhead, and in fact, even before Canada was a confederation, which known today as the Toronto Dominion Bank was born. And since then, it has become the largest Canadian bank when measured by totaled assets. In this video today, I'm gonna to share with you what I believe are the key things that you need to know if you are an investor or a potential investor in this truly great Canadian company. Now, obviously, a lot of us know about TD Bank. As an overview, it's a company with $180 billion market cap, and it trades on the TSX currently at around $100 a share. They have around 90,000 employees, and they work with about 27 million customers around the globe. In TD's most recent annual report, which is for 2021 fiscal year, they show around $14 billion in revenue, around $1.7 trillion in assets, they have between 2,200 and 2,300 retail locations in North America, and they have 15 TD security offices spread throughout the world. On this report, they also highlight a CET1 ratio, or common equity tier ratio, of 15.2%, and we're gonna be exploring this very important metric a little bit later in the video. A little bit broader look at what TD does, they have Canadian retail operations with TD Canada Trust, a brand that we're all familiar with. They have business banking, Auto Finance, TD Wealth, TD Asset Management, TD Direct Investing, and they have their insurance division, TD Insurance. In US retail, they have TD Bank, Auto Finance, they have TD Wealth, and they have an investment in the Charles Schwab organization. And in wholesale banking, they have TD Securities. The history of this bank goes all the way back to the mid 1800s, when in 1855, the Bank of Toronto was incorporated. About 14 years later, in 1869, the Dominion Bank was incorporated as well. They operated as separate banks up until February 1st of 1955 when a merger occurred and that resulted in what we know today as the Toronto Dominion Bank. A pivotal event that occurred in the history of this bank was back in 1998. And for those of us who are old enough to remember, you'll remember that the Canadian banks at the time basically proposed some mergers and TD had agreed to a merger with CIBC and also Royal Bank and BMO, Bank of Montreal, had agreed that they would merger and they were ready to press uh, forward with that. But the finance minister back in the day, uh, Paul Martin with the Liberal government, he vetoed that and his assessment or the government's assessment was that it would just not be good for the Canadian banking industry in general to have too much power, too much consolidation in those banks. In hindsight, knowing what we know now, it turns out that that may have been a very good decision to, uh, to deny those mergers. Now, a couple of years later in 2000, TD did successfully buy Canada Trust, which was one of Canada's largest trust companies. And that formed what we know today as the TD Canada Trust brand. Another important milestone in this company's history was in 2005, when they entered the US retail banking market, where they acquired Bank North, which is a US firm, a US bank, that has operations from Maine all the way down to Florida. That was about a $3.8 billion uh, takeover at the time. And in 2022, as recently as this month, March of 2022, they just completed, they just announced rather, a $13.4 billion takeover or purchase of First Horizon, a US firm. This will result in an additional $89 billion worth of assets and 412 additional US locations. When we look at the perspective of TD Bank relative to its North American peers, we will see it is truly a top 10 North American bank with total assets of about $1.7 trillion, which is first in Canadian ranking and fifth in North American ranking, total deposits of about 1.1 billion. Again, first in Canada, fifth in North America. When we look at the markets the company competes in, we look Canada and the US and Canada is 
the 10th largest economy in the world, according to their report. I do believe that actually we just moved ahead of South Korea, so probably in the ninth place as we sit today. A population of about 38 million people here in Canada, of course. Another highlight of the country's statistics related to Canada, company has about 1,061 branches across the country and a market share of 21%. When we look at their U.S. operations, U.S. of course is the world's largest economy, population of about 330 million people. And you'll note that they have a network of 1,148 stores, they call them, in the U.S. Interestingly, their exposure, their actual retail locations in the U.S. is actually larger than that of in Canada when we look at the 1148 in the U.S. compared to just over a thousand branches in Canada. As I take a deeper dive into their actual business segments, I would like to just take a moment and thank our sponsor of this video, which is Passive. Passive is a free platform that you can use and you can easily manage your investments. They offer a wide variety of features like performance tracking, they have one-click trades, goal tracking, dividend tracking, and lots more. You can keep track of your investments and then quickly rebalance your portfolio to keep everything on track to match your investor profile. So be sure to click on the link in the description below or in the pinned comment to start automating your investments. A closer look at TD's business segments show that they operate with three major segments, Canadian retail, US retail, and wholesale banking, with Canadian retail making up 54% of their 2021 earnings, US retail 29%, wholesale at 11, and they do have that investment in Charles Schwab, which makes up 6% of their earnings. In the Canadian retail segment, they report about $8.5 billion worth of annual revenue. They have about 42,000 employees and about 16 million customers. A little bit closer look at the Canadian retail, their one or two market share in most retail products, in the business banking section, they are number two in business banking deposits and in loan market share. They facilitated over $11 billion in the Canada Emergency Business Account response to COVID with about 213,000 customers taking advantage of that government offering. They have operations in auto finance. In credit cards, they are very much associated with the Visa brand. They also issue the MBNA World Elite MasterCard. From a wealth management perspective, they are the second largest money manager in the Canadian pension assets here in Canada. They of course have their TD's web broker and they have personal lines of insurance, including home and auto, life and health, creditor, and traveler insurance. The US market accounts for about $4 billion worth of their revenues, 25,000 employees almost south of the border, and about 10 million customers. They are a top 10 bank in the US. They are much bigger in the US in auto lending than they are here in Canada with uh, dealerships across the country there. With credit cards, they have private label and co-branded credit cards. And some of the bigger names that they associate with are Target and Nordstrom. In their US wealth division, they focus more on the affluent high net worth division. They also work more with institutional clients there. And of course, as I mentioned, uh, as of 2020, they became the largest shareholder in Charles Schwab Corporation, which is a huge US-based asset management company with over $7 trillion in assets. When it comes to their wholesale division, a lot of people don't really know what this wholesale means. And there's four basic components to this. They work with mergers and acquisitions. They work with leveraged buyouts, takeovers, uh, spin-offs, that type of thing with large corporations. In their equity capital markets business, they do 
big corporate structuring events such as IPOs. In their debt capital markets area, they work with businesses looking to raise capital. So whether it's public or private debt offerings, they're very involved in that. And finally, in corporate banking, businesses need money all the time and they work with things like operating lines of credit, term loans, uh, leverage financing, anything that you would need as a large corporation to make sure that you have the funding to grow, to expand, to do all the things that you wanna do from that perspective. From a revenue point of view, this brings in about $1.5 billion a year to the company. TD is a very well-financed company with lots of funding available. And about a year ago, their CEO, Bharat Masrani, reaffirmed the fact that they were looking to expand. They were looking to put this money to use. And just the other day, as I mentioned, TD announced that they will be buying the US-based bank, First Horizon, for about $13.4 billion. As you might imagine, a leading company like this has struck alliances with a lot of different companies. For example, they have an affiliation with Amazon where you can use your TD points. When you purchase things at Amazon, they have an affiliation with Starbucks and their reward program. They have an affiliation with Canada Post where they're expanding more and more financial services to other Canadians, as I mentioned earlier, uh, with Target and Nordstrom south of the border. And most importantly, perhaps, and of course, near and dear to my heart over the last couple of years, we have worked together. The Brandon Beavis YouTube channel and our investing academy has worked with the TD Bank uh, as keynote speakers on their investment education month. And we have done other sponsorship work with them as well. If you would like more information on the investing academy itself, the first link below will take you there. I would like to now segue into a closer look at the financials of the company. If we look at their revenues over the last 12 months, they came in with about $43 billion in revenue. Very steady revenue growth, as you can see. You'll definitely see the hit that they took during the COVID crisis, but they seem to have worked their way quite nicely through there. When I add net income to this chart, about $14 billion in Canadian revenue over the last 12 months. Their earning growth has been very consistent with a five-year compound annual growth rate of about 10%. When you look at this chart, it's pretty evident that the Canadian retail segment, which is the brighter green segment, is the biggest contributor to their earnings, followed by US retail and then wholesale banking. When we look at their dividend, it's hard not to be impressed with a 165 year continuous dividend history dating back all the way to 1857. So that's pretty stellar if you ask me. At the time this report was prepared, the company was paying almost a 4% dividend yield that is currently at about 3.5 an 11% dividend growth rate over the last 25 years, and the dividend per share on an annual basis right now is $3.16. If you look at this on a quarterly basis, you can see very steady, consistent growth. The flatlining over the last couple of years was due to government restrictions that were put on during the COVID times, which didn't allow financial institutions in Canada to raise their dividend. You can see a very modest 38.8% payout ratio. The target for the company is between 40 and 50%. When we are talking about banks, one of the most important thing in my mind is the stability of that company. When we are taking our money and giving it to them, when we're lending it to them, we need to have a great degree of assurance that we're gonna get paid back. And when we think back to the Canadian banking system in general, and I touched on this earlier with those possible mergers uh, back in 98, the Canadian bank uh, during the financial crisis of 08, 09, came out as a shining star uh, globally. When we look at the stability in general, if we look at a report that was put out by Global Finance, looking at the safest banks in all of North America, the top six banks were from Canada, leading the way this bank, the Toronto Dominion Bank. So this should give you some comfort, a lot of comfort that you're dealing with a good solid institution here. When we look at their credit ratings, whether we look at Moody's, S&P, we look at the DBRS, Dominion Bond Rating Service, we see very, very solid debt ratings. When we compare them with their peer groups, they are at or above their Canadian and US peers. On this topic of security, on this topic of stability, 
Earlier on in this video, I mentioned a ratio, the CET1 ratio. And this is a ratio, this is a number that TD had highlighted on their annual report. And this is a very important metric that as an investor in a financial institution, you wanna be aware of. You should be aware at least of the Basel Committee on Banking Supervision. And this is a Switzerland-based group. And they are charged with setting the regulations for banks to ensure that there is stability and there's confidence in the overall banking system. You may recall that in the report, TD reported a common equity tier one ratio of 15.2%. When we look at OSFI's regulatory minimum capital, this is the Office of the Superintendent of Financial Institutions here in Canada, we can see that there is a minimum target of 10.5% of CET1 funding. This compares to TD's current ratio of 15.2. Without drilling down too deeply into all the nitty gritty and doing all the math mathematical calculations here, essentially what this CET1 ratio means is that it's, it's a measurement of how much excess capital, how much extra funds a bank has on hand and available in the event of another financial crisis like we saw back in 0809 and their ability to, to make good on their, their loans, to uh, cover their you know, short-term withdrawals, all that type of thing. So suffice to say that with numbers that were, where TD is now with 15.2% versus that minimum of 10.5, they certainly are well-provisioned. They're well-funded to manage through the next storm that we're going to hit. There is another measurement. There's a stress test that Canadian banks have to go through. This is the liquidity coverage ratio or LCR. And this is essentially a 90-day stress test. And if you look at the 100% requirements on this lower part of this chart, we'll see that TD is sitting right now at 126%. Again, very well funded. Uh, their liquidity is certainly above what it needs to be, leaving you feeling probably very secure. If we look at their current debt, they have about $104 billion worth of long-term debt total debt of $315 billion. If we look at the likelihood that they can pay those back at the credit ratings, again, we touched on this earlier, all of the major issuers have them with a very solid rating. From a valuation perspective, if we look at their trailing 12 month price to earnings ratio, we'll see that comes from right now at about 12.8. That is favorably comparable to their five year average of 15. When we look at their price to earnings over the next 12 months, that is at 12, which is exactly at their five year average of 12. They're currently trading with a peg ratio of about 12.6. Now the peg ratio isn't quite as common as the PE ratio. If you are not familiar with the peg ratio is, I did a video that shows specifically what that is and you can click on that here uh, to learn more information about the peg ratio itself. From a price to book ratio perspective, currently trading at a 1.9 times price to book ratio, which is comparable with their five-year average of just over two. Moving on to take a closer look at their balance sheet, we can see as might be expected, their primary source of funds are personal and business deposits. When we look at the funding mix, we see about 46% that are personal, other deposits of about 29, short-term liabilities of 15%, and wholesale term debt of 8%. Drilling down on this wholesale debt, about 45% of that is in Canadian dollars, about 34% in US dollars, making up the bulk of their debt by currency. From a time length perspective, they have about 22% of their term debt with a maturity of less than four years. The bulk of it, 41% with four to five years, about 23% with five to seven, and then about 14% of the debt with a greater a maturity of greater than 7%. When it comes to the biggest challenges that a bank like this would face, um, in the Canadian market, I mean, let's face it, they are uh, a leader 
They're very, very well entrenched, but they are direct competitors. When you look at Royal Bank, which is the closest match, um, they're constantly <laughs> battling for those top spots in the various types of metrics, but there are other big Canadian banks as well that they have to compete with. So that is, um, I don't think those are really threats per se, but it is, it is a strong competition that they always have to be mindful of. I think of um, things like Apple Pay, or I think of things like you know PayPal, where there's all these new ways that are coming about to transact that are taking the big banks uh, somewhat out of the picture. So uh, that's another threat that they have to be mindful of as they move forward. As they grow, in, as they expand into the US, they, they have to be able to execute. There are some great opportunities there, uh, but certainly uh, if they spend billions of dollars to gain access to that market, they don't execute effectively, uh, could turn out to be a, a negative rather than a positive. I feel probably the company is so well managed that they will be able to turn those into a, a positive experience. Uh, but that's something we have to be mindful of as they are clearly looking to do more of that. And finally, on this topic is the Canadian banking sector, which of course is very, very heavily regulated. And that's an issue that is ongoing. It'll always be that way uh, for good reason. And we're happy uh, that the Canadian, banking uh, the Canadian banking system has done so well during the crisis we've been through. And uh, that's not going anywhere. So that's something that you'll always have to be mindful of as an investor in a Canadian financial, financial institution like this. Also, I wanna talk about a scandal. Uh, many of you will remember not that long ago, five years ago or so, when uh, a real blemish occurred with, uh, with the TD Bank here. And there was a CBC program called Go Public and they reported at the time that TD Bank employees admitted that they were under a lot of pressure to achieve sales targets. And they went so far as to increase customers' lines of credits, their overdraft amounts, their visa credit limits, for example, without advising them. And quite clearly that is simply against the law. In the report, one of the employees said, I was forced to lie to customers just to meet sales revenue targets. And clearly this is a blemish on a company like the Toronto Dominion Bank. And uh, in order to sort of counter that, the, the official statement from the company itself, they, you know, they basically denied this, but they said, we don't believe the CBC story is an accurate portrayal of our culture. But they did go on to say that it is an opportunity to pause, reflect, and ask ourselves, how do we do better for our people and our customers? As a result of that report on March the 10th, 2017, TD shares dropped five and a half percent on one single day. Now, clearly the market got over it because we look at where the price is today compared to what it was back then and all the dividends that have been collected in the meantime, um, you know, people kind of shook that off in, in a bit of a hurry, but it's still, it's one of those things where when you associate um, the bank uh, with that type of behavior, it's something that we'd rather not think about, but as a shareholder, uh, these are things that are probably important that, that you know. If you would like more of these longer formats or deeper dives into various companies, please leave a comment below and let me know if this is something you want more of. Uh, perhaps suggest a company or two that you would like me to look more deeply into. Uh, I'd be happy to do that if this is something that uh, you know, you're going to find some benefit by, by taking a little bit more detailed look into these companies than you might otherwise get. Uh, the TD Bank is a good solid um, Canadian bank and in most portfolios for most people's investor profiles, I would say it would quite possibly be a suitable holding. If you would like to learn more about investing in general, as a reminder, that first link below is for our investing academy. I would invite you to check that out. And at this point, I would just thank you for watching the video and I look forward to seeing you in the next video.